You're listening to Leading Up with Udemy. This podcast is your guide to developing your skills as an emerging or seasoned leader. I'm Alan Todd, your host and the Vice President of Leadership Development at Udemy. Together, we can work, lead, and live differently to create a better world. I sat down with Dr. Hamaria Crockett. She's the Mary Poppins of leadership. She creates magic, magical things. I really liked how Dr. Hamaria talked about the career jungle gym, not the career ladder. And she said the career ladder is a myth, but the career jungle gym means there's a lot of ways. Sometimes you move forward, sometimes you move sideways. Every now and then you might even have to take a step back, but you navigate your way through your career. You dream about this future, about what's a magical world for you, and use that as your North Star to get you through this jungle gym I don't think there is a corporate ladder anymore, but I'm pretty sure I've never found the ladder. I don't know if you found it. I don't have the ladder. I don't know where it is. So if none of us have seen the ladder, found the ladder, know where the ladder is, it probably means that it's not real. What I do know is that everyone's career is their responsibility. This week on Leading Up, we have Dr. Hamaria Crockett. Like Mary Poppins, Dr. Hamaria has a talent for seeing the best in people and bringing out their strengths, while also challenging them to grow and develop in new ways. Dr. Hamaria is a keynote speaker, executive coach, and is the VP of Leadership and Organization Development at PAX8. Previously, she was the Director of Learning and Development at SoFi and a leadership coach at Corn Ferry and Deloitte. She received her PhD in public leadership from Capella University. Dr. Hamaria, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Alan. I'm so excited to be here. Awesome. So my first question, so if a manager's job is to motivate and inspire employees to do their best work, it looks like right now we're achieving the opposite, disengagement and burnout. So why do we continue to promote people into leadership roles who may or may not be good at managing people and then let them sink or swim without any development? I think that's just kind of the way of corporate America that we thought that the sink or swim was the best way and the best method. But what we're realizing in leadership and development, that that's not necessarily true. If people were to take a look at their current leaders and to maybe even just do a quick little survey, most of the time leaders have not had any training. People saw the greatness in their leadership. They saw, oh, they were a wonderful individual contributor. And they then decided that that person should be a leader without giving them the tools and the techniques and the methods or any kind of training in order for them to be better at their jobs. So I hopefully like this podcast really is to help those emerging leaders to gain some skills, to gain knowledge, to gain some additional uh, kind of abilities that will help them in the long run or maybe even today. (laughs) Yeah. So where do we start? Where do you start with a person? They might be freshly promoted into management. What's first? I think the initial thing for any individual to do is to start thinking about their own skills. What was it that another leader saw in them that said, oh, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to promote you. What, what did that look like? And then to be able to take those particular skills and to cultivate them. And now I know sometimes it is a little, uh, let's just say it's not the best thing for people to say they want to do, but we also have to think about our kryptonite, those areas that we're not so good at, that we kind of stay away from. We need to be sure that we're thinking about, again, the things that we're really 
really good at and the things that we may not be so good at. Because as a leader, all of that's going to come to the surface. As a leader, all of the things that you are suck at, <laughs> that you're terrible at, the people that you're leading, they're going to see it. They're going to pay attention to it. And so it's very wise for you, again, just to not only pay attention to the things that you're really good at and things that you excel at and things that people saw in you, but also to cultivate those skills that may not be so good. Most of the time, it's going to be soft skills. Most of the time, it's going to be people skills. Most of the time, it's going to be communication, communication, communication communication because that is the number one reason why people leave organizations is because lack of communication lack of career development um, lack of transparency and generally it's because of their leadership so what could someone do that's listening right now let's say they're not a manager to improve their communication skills and maybe their development skills if those are the two big reasons why people leave what could somebody do right now to to get better at those two things on their own yeah, a few things. One, you can think about, are there some leaders that you know, some mentors or individuals that you're like, wow, I really like their leadership style. It could be your current leader or maybe even a past leader. Go and have conversations with them. Find out how they became the leader that you look up to or a leader that you really appreciate their skill set. The second thing I think is really important is for you to go get some research, go do some looking up of other things, i.e. go to a Udemy course, go to some conferences, figure out the sweet spot of really who you are and where you really need to be as it relates to a leader. The third thing is a, an assessment. You can do strengths finders. You can do MBTI, so Myers-Briggs. Any assessment that helps you to gather who you are now and for you to be able to identify maybe some blind spots could be very, very useful as it relates to you as a current leader or you wanting to be a leader so that you can prepare yourself for your own future. So as I process that, I hear a lot about finding your purpose. And I saw some new research. Deloitte put something out and said purpose-driven companies have higher market share and they go three times faster and the workforce is happier and customers are happier and all, all, all this great stuff. But individuals need to have a professional purpose beyond making money. And I know that's something that you've thought a lot about, you talk about, you've done research on. So can you talk about how, how can we help someone discover their purpose? Why does it matter? And what are the benefits of going through it that? Yeah, the, the thing about finding your purpose, I'll give you this staggering statistic. For girls, if a girl doesn't find her true voice or herself by the time she's 12, it takes generally to her 30s, mid-30s, almost 40s in order for her to find her voice. For boys, it's 13. So imagine if you have gone all of these years without having a voice, and now, generally speaking, people in leadership, they're in their late 20s, early 30s, and this is the time that you have that, oh, crap, why am I here? You may not necessarily want to be a leader while you're having that, oh, crap, why am I here? Like, oh, no, who am I? And having that in the mix of being a leader. So when it comes to individuals trying to find who they are and the importance of finding who they are, it is so that you can not only just be a better person, so that you can also be a better leader. Individuals, like you said, with Deloitte and just tons and tons of research in positive psychology, they've identified simplistically, if you can identify who you are as a person, you can then help uplift, you can help motivate someone else. There is no person that can motivate you better than yourself. 
And if you don't have that internal working that says, you know what, I can do this. I can survive this. I can overcome this. I can accomplish this. If you don't have that kind of plane in your mind, then it's going to be very difficult for you to be able to move forward in anything that you do. The other thing about being able to find your true voice or to find who you are, your most authentic self, is that then people don't feel like they are talking to different people every single time they speak to you. You're trustworthy, that they can actually trust you because they know you. They know who you are. They know your personality. They know aspects about you versus it being a situation where they feel like they get Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde every single time they get a different person being able to talk to and to be able to have conversations with. The final thing I think that is really important about kind of finding your true self and why it's important, not only again for leadership purposes, but for personal reasons. I think one of the things that we've got to remember is what did we like to do when we were kids? What was it that really motivated us that just made our little faces just brighten up that we just were so excited about? Was it when we used to dance or sing? What outward expression helped us to feel like our true selves and how how can we get that back as adults? I think sometimes we forget the essence of who we were as children. We, yeah, we grow up, but the, the truth and the beauty and the things that really motivate us and energize us, it carries throughout our lifetime. It doesn't just go away. So how did you figure out your passion and purpose and, and positive psychology? Like you've brought that all together. And I think it's you're you're really clear about finding your true voice, your true self, being authentic. And so many people aren't that. So how did you figure it out? And what's the lesson for someone else? Honestly, I didn't know that in, everyone wasn't like me. It really wasn't until I started studying positive psychology and started studying like people not being authentic. And it wasn't until I started doing my research. I honestly did not know. My mother called me the punky Brewster. If you're in the, in the 80s, that would be like the Powerpuff Girls. If you're in the 90s and or like Blossom or That's So Raven. If you're in the 2000s, I've just kind of always been myself. I, I don't know how to be anybody else. And I realized that that was a gift of parenting. My parents gave me the gift to be who I was. And it was not until I literally started studying and I was like, wait, people, everyone is not like me. People don't have this. And so that then became my mission. My mission is to help release people, to help people to understand that you can be true to yourself and you don't have to put your your trueness, your authenticity in the closet because you can be as loud and boisterous or as quiet. If that's who you are, then be whoever that person is. And I want to help free people to be able to know you can just be exactly who you are because it's perfect. That person, that personality is perfect just like it is. We just may need to make a few little tweaks. So how do we get there? So many people struggle, right? Fear, fear of embarrassment, fear of failure. I, I have some authentic self, but I wear masks that I put on when I go out in public to protect my ego. How did you overcome that? How do you advise other people to do that? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is to start kind of writing out who you are, not who you want to be, but who you are, the things that you like, the things that you dislike, the things that make you happy, the things that make you sad. You've got to take an internal assessment and identify that first. Because if you don't identify what you like and who you are and the, the very foundation, your own value system, unfortunately, other people, 
other situations can help waver you. But if you know who you are, then it doesn't make a difference what anyone else says. If you know who you are, you can stand in your own truth. And it's not about anybody else. It's about you being able to stand on what you believe in. And it's very, very difficult for a person who is already authentic to be taken off their square, to be taken off their, we'll call it their soapbox, um, to be taken off of not being who they are. I mean, it's cool. You just got to be okay with your uniqueness. So you've coached a lot of people on this topic about getting first to know yourself and this authentic and true self. You've done a doctoral dissertation research on authenticity. What percentage of people do you think are alive in the workplace with a deep sense of authentic self? I don't know if there's like a particular percentage because I think that a lot of times in corporate America, we are bred to be someone else. What's valuable is to know that it's okay for you to have multiple versions of yourself. And even if you feel like you need to protect yourself, what companies need to know is the more a person can trust their organization, the more a person can trust their leadership, the more of their personality they can show. Now, I just got married, so I am like a wife. I am an auntie. I am a sister. I'm a daughter. You don't need to bring all of it, Hamaria. She don't got all of these. Don't have to come to the table. But people, we have to realize, all of us, we have to realize what we can, like what we give ourselves permission to bring to work and the other things that we may need to, you know, keep at home. And it's okay. It's okay for you to have those different kind of facets or versions, like I said, of yourself, because as you trust people, the more of your true self will come out. As you believe in who you are, you will let people to start seeing that beauty or that hidden treasure that you've been hiding from the world that you may just need to let other people see. I believe that so many people go through life and they actually never find their their purpose, their true voice, their authentic self. You've done all this research. What's missing? What's the key to unlock this for people? One of the main things that I think is important about discovering who you are, I did a TED Talk and I compared authenticity to a garden. And in that description, it is your responsibility to take care of your own garden. But there's some things in your garden, some weeds, some bugs, some vermin that may be in your garden that you didn't ask to be there. Still, if again, you want to be more authentic, you've got to do the work to be able to pull out the weeds, to be able to put the bug spray, to put the weed in feed, whatever it takes in order for you to become who you are, you've got to do the work. It's not good enough to just say, oh, I want to be more authentic, but we are not digging deep inside of who we are. We are not uprooting who somebody said that we should be or we need to be or following a dream that's not our own. In my research, one of the things that I found is that every single person, if they were considered to be authentic or inauthentic, the one thing everybody had in common was one way they were able to express themselves. For some people, that was singing. Some people, it was writing. It could have been poetry. It could have been public speaking. Everyone has something that they can start with in order to become more authentic. And if they start there, then it's going to be easier for them to start kind of grappling with all of the other things. So like, again, if you start, if we're talking about a garden, if you pull out one weed, that's not enough. You can go and really kind of figure out all of the other things that other people, again, may have put in your garden or 
other people may have said about you or other people, other people, other people. If you get it, most of the time it's because other people have put these things on us and we have unfortunately started to believe them. That has carried on into the workplace. buzz around Gen AI isn't going anywhere. Leaders and managers are key to identifying how their companies can use the technology and creating a plan to grow their employees' skills. Learn how Udemy can help at business.udemy.com forward slash Gen AI now. So let's assume that we could get through and um, find our authentic self as this fundamental foundation upon which everything else is built. What are the skills? You talked about communication being a critical skill. You said it's probably the number one reason you're going to leave, whether you're (laughs) by your own choice or not. Talk about some other skills that once we figure out this authenticity thing, we practice it. And I think, I don't want to misspeak, but what I think I've heard you say is that's like the critical foundation upon which everything's built. So talk about what what comes next. Yeah, once you, and let's be real, being and trying to find your authentic self is the hardest part. <clears throat> right. Once you identify that, these other things are not as challenging. Like I said, your communication is key. Also being able to identify what you want to be. And it doesn't mean that it has to be today, but like giving yourself a way to kind of envision what the future can look like for you. Because the thing is, is that if we don't have an ending, because you don't think about it. When we grew up, we knew that we needed to graduate from kindergarten. We need to graduate from fifth grade. We needed to graduate from middle school. Uh, We needed to graduate from high school and college. Most of the time we need like a goal a goal that we can aspire to be or to aspire to do. So yeah, maybe your goal is to be a CEO of some blah, 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 blah company. Cool, that's great, wonderful. You have a goal in mind. Now you can work backwards to really figure out what does that mean? What skills do you have to have? What information do you need to know? So if you can kind of work from there as a new leader or an emerging leader, it's gonna be very helpful. What is going to be harmful is if you're just floundering everywhere and you really don't have any kind of direction. You've got to create direction for yourself so that you can accomplish goals. And remember, goals are those tiny little accomplishments so you can have small wins. It's not always, oh, I became a CEO tomorrow. Like have the small wins and be okay with those small wins until you get to your larger goal. So what do you say to someone that has, I want to be a CEO and I want to be tomorrow. And by tomorrow, they mean like in a year, in two years. Yeah, I think that's feasible for some people. But if you're talking to people and you're talking to your network and you are having conversations, you'll realize that if it is from a multi-million or billion dollar company, it's just not feasible because of the work that needs to happen, the experiences, as well as being able to answer some of those very big questions. And if you've not answered them for yourself, it's going to be real difficult for you to lead a large group of people. So for those people, I've coached people. They're like, yeah, I want to be CEO of in two years and I just graduated from college. Of course, of course you do. It's a great idea. Not to say that you can't do it. I want you to do what you think is great and what you think is what you think is best. But I also 
not to warn people, but I'll say is to help inform people that the greatest gift that you have is time. And sometimes it takes time in order to cultivate you to become whatever this thing is. The reason why we have elections or the reasons why we have uh, people to walk through or work through a process is because we know it takes time to cultivate a skill. We don't plant something and then it go outside the next day and say, oh, look at that beautiful whatever it is. It takes time. And sometimes we have to just be mindful of that to know, again, it's not to say you cannot do it. It just generally takes a little time for things to develop and for things to grow. Hopefully you are the person that's developing and you're the person that's growing. Yeah. So a number of people that have been on the podcast, very successful people have said that, you know, I'll, I'll phrase it my way. Perseverance is one of their keys, right? You got to, and, and you've said this, you just got to get in and you got to do the work. So is it, do people ever have a misset expectations? I want to be a CEO in two years. Like, how do you get them to dream a little bit about this beautiful future they aspire to, but also grounded in reality? Like, look, that might just take 15 years and that could be okay. I think the greatest thing is, is to ask questions around what you want to be. So, okay, cool. You want to be a CEO in two years? Why? Who told you that that was what you needed to be? Why is that in your mind? So, like, you have got to ask yourself the who, what, when, where, why, how questions in order to start to really discover why is that your goal and the goal and the time, why are those set together? Because if you don't identify that, then it sounds crazy to everybody else that hears it. And again, it may not be crazy to you because you're being your authentic self. Along the way, you probably will figure out eh, you may not have exactly what it takes right now in order to do that. And that is okay. It's not failure. It's just learning from your own successes or your own mishaps. And that's all right. All right. So let's build off of that. How do I climb the corporate ladder? I don't think there is a corporate ladder anymore. I think that we have done a disservice to people to talk about it being some magical ladder. I don't know. Is it like at the end of the rainbow? Like, I don't know where it is. I don't know where you locate it, but I'm pretty sure I've never found the ladder. I don't know if you found it. I don't have the ladder. I don't know where it is. <laughs> nope. So if none of us has seen the ladder, felt, found the ladder, know where the ladder is, it probably means that it's not real. What I do know is, that everyone's career is their responsibility. You have to listen to people when they talk about their career. And most people are not going to tell you that it's been straight up. I like to call it a jungle gym, or you can think of it of a lattice versus a ladder, because it's going to be kind of all over the place. It may not just be a direct trajectory. And we also have to consider, too, that people don't necessarily stay in the same industry. It used to be a time where you may be in, you work for General Motors your entire life. That's what my father did. He worked for General Motors for 40 years. My mother, she was in education for 42 years. That is not our current reality. People bounce around in industry. I personally have been in government. I've been in higher education. I've been in technology. I've been in finance. Those things were not as readily available back in the day. But now that we have these multiple different assets, that's as unique as you are. Your career can be as unique as, as you. So we have to own our own career. And what you're saying is, it doesn't need to look like a ladder. It can look like a jungle gym. We have to get to some destination and we all might get there in different ways, but we own it. What are some tips that you could give someone to own their career? What can I do to progress through the jungle gym or the lattice? 
Yeah. Again, it goes back to your own goals. What are the goals that you were setting? Or is it about money? Is it about a lifestyle? Like if you were able to design your perfect life where you were able to wake up tomorrow and you had the exact life that you wanted, write it out. Write out what that would look like. What does your rich life, your glorious life, your magnificent life, what does that look like? Then think about what it will it take to get there. Because if you don't then identify the work that it's going to take, you won't wake up and be in that life. You'll never wake up to be in that life if you just think you've got to go up a ladder and you're not thinking about all of the different ways that you can get there. The other thing I think is important for you to have conversations, think about your network, talk to people that are close to or have a, you are like impressed by the things that they have done. Talk to them, have conversations to see where they are and how did they get there. And I think finally, it's giving yourself again, grounded in reality. Go do look, do some looks on like Indeed or maybe even LinkedIn about those jobs. What do they say you need to have as a skill? Look at the job description. If you don't have those skills, then that also gives you an idea of what you can look for and what you can be doing now that will help set you up for the future. Yeah, I love it. So finding role models and building skills. So figuring out what those skills are for that path for you. There's something, you and I talked about this before, but there was a, there was a famous Harvard Business Review article in the 90s called Teaching Smart People How to Learn. And essentially the argument was that successful people don't experience enough failure. So they come in and never want to fail or try to fail. So I guess they play it safe forever. And I was thinking, you know, you, you do a lot of work in this area. So can you talk about like, what are some reasons why smart people fail? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is like, even as children, we are taught to fall, we get a little Band-Aid, your mom kisses it and you move on your way. And I think we as adults think that that's exactly how we're supposed to be. We are supposed to only touch for a second on our failures and then move on to whatever else we want to do or whatever we want to aspire. Some of the greatest, if not the greatest, inventors will share and have shared how many times it took in order for them to discover whatever they discovered. The thing about them, which is a little bit different from a lot of our leaders today, is they looked at what did not work, why it did not work, so they could change it, tweak it, and then make it work. It took multiple times versus sometimes we just think, oh, the first time I do this, it's supposed to be everything. It's supposed to be great. It's supposed to be wonderful. Everyone is going to love it. And that's not always the case. And I believe if we are more mindful on the things that we may not have done right or may have not done perfectly or may not have done where everybody just praised us for it and we really worked on the things that we may have failed on, then we will be more successful. One of the greatest, I think, because I am from the city of Chicago, uh, players is Michael Jordan. He won a whole lot of rings. He won a whole lot of championships, but he played a real long time and he did not receive a championship every single year. And I think we have to keep that in mind. We won't win every single time we're on the court. We won't win every single time we do a project. We won't win every single time. And if we learn that it's okay, that we don't always have to win, but there is beauty in coming in second, third, 55th, <laughs> whatever the number is, it's still beauty in that. We'll be doing ourselves a lot more than us thinking that every single time we do something, it has to be glitter and gold and rhinestones and everyone should throw us a party. We, we should be okay with being okay with failing 
knowing that that then helps to set us up for our future. All right. So as we wrap up here, we have a question that we ask all of our guests, and that is, what are you curious about and learning right now? You know what? One of the things that I am super curious about is this tool called ChatGPT. I think it's fascinating, AI. So that's something that I'm really, really into right now and how that can help people to feel better about learning, knowing that it's literally at your fingertips. And will that change people receiving information from technology versus from other human beings? I just... I don't know where this AI thing is going. I just think it's really fascinating, especially typing something in and it tells you these are the five steps to be a good leader. Does it really tell you that? I don't know. Uh, so I'm thinking that it's interesting to really know how technology is moving and, and shaking and being formed. And, how, and as human beings, how we are respecting it, honoring it or not. That's what I'm thinking about now. Love it. Thank you, Hamaria. <laughs> Great answer and a topic that none of us knows where this is going. <laughs> right. <laughs> thank you. Dr. Hamaria, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been a joy. Thank you so much for listening to Leading Up, a podcast from Udemy Business. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode to help you level up your leadership skills. Follow the show so you never miss a new episode. And if you like the show, leave a rating or a review. We love the feedback and it really helps us find new listeners. To learn more about Leading Up or how Udemy can help you develop leaders at scale and move business forward, visit business.udemy.com. The Leading Up podcast is produced by Udemy in partnership with Pod People. Special thanks to our production team, Alex Vickmanis, Amy Machado, Brian Rivers, Danielle Roth, and Carter Wogan. Our original theme is by Soundboard.